Welcome to the Shred with Science podcast with your host, Dr. Chris Spearman, one of the world's leading online fitness coaches and expert in metabolic correction and a global cover model. Chris delves deep into the most up-to-date scientific literature to provide you with the tools you need to live a healthy, enjoyable, and educated lifestyle. Yo, what is going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Shred with Science podcast. Today, it is episode 22. It's the second Q&A. The first one was a massive success. So there have been even more questions thrown into this one. I don't really know where I'm going to get the questions from in future. Right now, I'm asking them on my Instagram story. That's working quite well. Um, so I may continue to do that. I get, as you can imagine, I get hundreds of questions every week in my DMs anyway. This is the best, easiest, and most effective way for me to not only answer your questions, but to give you the proper in-depth answer you're looking for via a Q&A on the podcast. So I think I'm definitely going to do a lot of this um, over the next few months. I will be getting some guests on. There hasn't been a guest in a while. The last guest was Phil Graham, episode 18, which was awesome. Um, I've got a few guests lined up, uh, but to be honest, there's just been a huge demand for these Q&As that I'm trying to get a lot of these out there because I can answer a lot more questions. Um, and a lot of these questions are questions that I get asked over and over and over again. So we're going to crack on. There's been loads. So I'm going to try and get through as many as I possibly can. Um, so the first one from Kerry underscore rich 44 says, do you think it's possible to build a good physique without supplements? And also do you rate my fitness pal? So they're both extremely good questions. So let me start off with supplements. First of all, supplements are exactly that. You've all heard this, but supplements are supplements for a reason. They're there to supplement your nutrition. And they're there to add value to what you're doing already. They are not essential, but they can be massively beneficial. Some supplements more than others. Um, obviously, you can look at you know health supplements, but also performance supplements. Um, there are a number that I will just 100% will not go without. Um, most of you guys will have seen or listened either to my YouTube videos or my podcasts on these already, things like creatine. It obviously depends on your goals, but for the most part, creatine is probably up there. I feel with one of the supplements that I will always have in my diet, always, always have a part of uh, any sort of program even even above whey protein, to be fair, because I think for the most part, whey protein can be replaced. Um, hydrolyzed whey protein, of course, can be beneficial post-workout. Uh, if you're cutting, those of you guys who've listened to the podcast before know I'm a massive advocate of CLA and L-carnitine. I go into detail about their mechanisms of action from a scientific level very early in the podcast. If you go back to those health supplements... So these are things that I haven't spoken about a lot that I'm starting to integrate a little bit more into what I'm doing. So moving away from performance or sports supplements back to just health supplements. So some that I have integrated in recently, ashwagandha, curcumin, um, vitamin C I integrate in if I'm cutting, vitamin D, 
I try and put in as frequently as I can. Um, the PM burner that I keep raging about from uh, One Up Nutrition is absolutely incredible. I spoke about it already. It's got melatonin, 5-HTP, zinc, magnesium, um, GABA. It's a really, really good before bed supplement. That is probably my favorite, to be honest, the minute. Um, it really is. It's my sleep, because my sleep can be quite restless, I find that even when I don't sleep a huge amount, my quality of sleep is awesome. Some others, supplements that I'm integrating in that are massively beneficial for me in particular because of my gut health are uh, peppermint oil. I'm having a lot of peppermint teas. I'm having a lot of green teas. Um, I'm having a prebiotic and a probiotic, which I get with my um, vegan greens and reds from One Up Nutrition as well. Not only is that an awesome, so this is this is one thing just on that point is a lot of people take a green supplement because I can't get my greens in, so I'm just going to supplement with a green shake. That, depending on the green shake, that's fine. But if you get a good green shake, it'll do that. If you get a great green shake, a great green shake will have prebiotic, a probiotic, organic complex, all of these things that um, I'm utilizing with my with my one-up nutrition virgin. So ensuring that I am getting those in is important um, because of my digestion and my, I haven't really got to the bottom of what it is, but um, it probably comes from a long period of not eating a huge amount of veg for, you know, my, for, I suppose the last kind of four or five years, which I'm really trying to implement in now. Um, I'm taking a lot of glutamate, taking uh, glutamine in particular, um, but also um, something that I am strategically putting in um, that I didn't really before is digestive enzymes that massively, massively, massively help. Uh, Omega-3 or fish oils, good quality fish oils are important. Um, so there are a number of supplements that I take. Would I force them on anyone? No, absolutely not. Um, I think very few are essential. Um, there are some that I would definitely advise people integrating in. Will it make a difference to your performance or will it make a difference to your overall health? They're two separate questions. That being said, for you to get the physique that you want, you don't need supplements, but they will definitely help. Your other question, do you rate my fitness pal? Yes and no. So I think my fitness pal can be really, really good if you're just starting off or you're extremely advanced. I think if you're halfway house, sometimes I feel like my fitness pal can be detrimental. Let me explain why. First of all, let's talk about the people who are just starting off in the diet. They're just starting off getting used to nutrition. They're just starting off to kind of track their food. That is such, it's just such a good idea because first and foremost, it gives you an appreciation of food. It educates you on what's actually in food in terms of your macronutrients, but also the quantities. Very often people think, oh, you know, I'm eating around this and they log their food and they realize, wow, I was way off. Didn't even know there was carbohydrates in an avocado. Didn't even know there was something else. And, you know, so didn't even know, for example, that there was so much fat in beef, things like that, that people just think are protein or they think they're this or that. It's a good appreciation for quantities, for macros, and for what you're actually putting in your mouth. It also ensures that you log every single thing that you eat. So when you start snacking at things, they really do add up. They really do if you're using MyFitnessPal. 
It keeps you accountable, which is good. It keeps you focused, depending on your goal. Um, it keeps you thinking about food, which can be good and bad. But overall, if you're starting off, it can be a very useful tool on your own. If you're extremely advanced, tracking your food can be important. Um, you don't often need to do it because if you're extremely advanced, you probably know your body and how things respond um, with your digestive system, with your physiology, uh, when you train, um, and you know various different um, aspects of, of 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 the foods that you're having. That being said. Um, if you're in the middle ground, sometimes it can be a gray area. The reason being is, and it's why I kind of have a gripe about some of my nutrition programs when clients go, can you tell me the macros for the next week? And I'm like, I can, but just because I give you the macros doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to progress the way you would if I gave you the foods. Because macros are not macros. A calorie is not a calorie. For example, you know, you can say, okay, you need to be in a calorie deficit to lose fat. Yes, you do. But if you're in a calorie deficit and you're having, you know, 1800 calories worth of carbohydrates, you're not going to grow. You're not going to look anything decent um, after a sustained period of time. It's just not going to be beneficial. You're, you're, and then not only are your macros important, whether they're carbs, proteins, and fats, but your nutrient timing can become ever more important as you get closer to your goals. So in the middle ground, it's a gray area. It also massively justifies, um, sometimes it can massively justify binge eating or having chocolate during, it, it depends on your goals as well. And this is important for me you know, to note. So if you're lose, trying to just lose body fat and lose weight, then it's probably better. If you're trying to uh, increase performance and strength and body composition, you need to be specific with the carbohydrates that you're using. You need to be specific with the foods that you're utilizing. And we haven't even touched on your overall health, like your gut health, um, your emotional health. And all of these things become ever more important when you select good foods. Um, don't get me wrong, you can get shredded eating, if it fits your macros, on crazy foods. Um, but you may not perform as well. You may not be able to hold muscle tissue as well. Um, your digestive system may be shit. Um, loads of other things you need to take into consideration. And, you know, as a scientist, maybe I, I take things too strict and regimented, but I feel like if you're going to do something, you want to do it 110% for the most part. Um, whereas if your goals, like I said, you're just starting off, um, you know, and you want to get in shape or you want to lose a bit of weight, then it can be a really useful tool. So it depends. It also depends on your kind of emotional stability and your relationship with food, whether you're able to take control of it yourself. Um, but it's a really good question. Really good question. So um, long underscore island gal says, I don't have much of an appetite. I get two meals in a day and I do cardio three to four times a week and I'm not losing weight. Why? Very simply, the easiest answer for me, you know, the, the easiest get out clause would be to say, you are still not burning more calories than you're eating, first of all, because if you were, you would be losing weight. So it doesn't make a difference how many times a week you do cardio if your overall expenditure for the week isn't high enough. That's first and foremost. 
you could walk around or have a really active job and never do cardio and you could lose loads of weight. So it's not always about how many cardio sessions you do. Then again, we haven't even delved deep into the type of cardio that you're doing or the amount of calories that you're burning when you're doing those cardio sessions. So, you know, you need to bring it all the way back to basics. You need to burn more calories than you um, eat and you need to be in a deficit. End of story. Once you've done that, then you need to address your metabolic rate. The one thing that we do um, in the Spearman Fitness community, um, me in particular, and it's my probably my specialty, is delving deep into someone who really needs metabolic correction or someone whose metabolism is completely skewed and really trying to figure out what is going on. First and foremost, carbohydrates can be important, but like I said, it comes back to nutrient timing and when you're going to structure those in. So that's your cardio section. We've, that's put to one side. In terms of you only eating two meals a day, we don't know what those two meals are. So, you know, they could be 2,000 calorie meals each. They could be 1,000 calorie meals each. We don't know. So the meal frequency doesn't make a difference. It's your total calories per day and then your total calories per week that are going to make the difference. So that's something we need to take into consideration. Also, depending on where your metabolic rate is, is, is right now or how metabolically damaged you may be, you may need to look at that as well. You may need to come into even more of a deficit to see a response. On the flip side of the coin, you may be eating too little, you may be overly active, your hormones may be out of whack, and your body may be in a starvation mode in the sense of holding on to as much body fat as possible. Um, the one thing I will address though is you said that you're not losing any weight. You may still be changing shape, you may still be changing measurements, and your body composition may still be changing. So these are things to take into consideration. So um, I am Shay Pradup says, how many days best to do cardio? So do this completely depends. You can do cardio if you like, or you can do no cardio if you like. It completely depends on your goals, first and foremost. Because you're asking this question, I'm assuming potentially you want to get lean. That being said, it comes back to what I said before. You need to put yourself in a calorie deficit. It's not always about cardio. For example, if you classify cardio as, say, stepping on a cardiovascular equipment in the gym, then I rarely, rarely, rarely do cardio. But right now I'm getting quite lean quite quick because my step count is probably about 25,000 a day and I'm walking everywhere. So that's not cardio for me, that's just neat, that's just living. Neat is non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which basically is a fancy way for saying doing stuff. So sweeping the floor, you know, brushing your teeth, hoovering, going to the shops, you bring your laundry out to dry, all of these things is just burning calories. So cardio is probably not what you should look at my advice would be, um, well, first of all, I would try and track your food. Then I would try and track how much calories you're burning. Um, and then once you've done that, you will see whether you're in a deficit or not. If you are still not in a deficit, then maybe integrate some cardio in. I would probably advise you to start resistance training first. And then if you need to, add some cardio in afterwards. So the next question is co-cat to portion. I'm going to get stuck with some of these, I'm telling you. Um, 
going heavy low reps and each sorry going heavy low reps and after lots of volume each training session for strength and physique this isn't really a question but i think what you're trying to get at is going heavy at the start of the session and then as you progress through the session you start to maybe become isolate your your muscles a little bit more isolate your exercises and probably do a little bit more volume so this is a really good technique and this is something that um, is quite commonly used and something that I did for a very long time is that I would come into the gym and I would do a lot of the maybe primary lifts first. I would do a lot of, you know, the generally the, the heavier lifts, um, you know, bench press, squat, deadlift, um, you know, shoulder press, incline parallel, maybe a lot of these more complex moves and I would try and, you know, go quite heavy. Also, you know, then, you know, it, the rep range would maybe be five reps, six reps, eight reps maximum. And then as you progress through the session, you start to increase the volume, increase the, um, the amount of reps that you're doing, decrease the weight, and maybe isolate the muscle a little bit more. So you said for strength and physique. So you need to be specific about your goals. Generally for strength, if it was me, I would be doing a lot of strength-based training and probably be, for example, maybe bench pressing three times a week minimum, get my frequency up, um, probably keep my volume quite low. Whereas in terms of physique, if you're talking about hypertrophy, you probably need to be in a hypertrophy range and you'd probably be focusing on, well, first and foremost, you need to ensure that you're actually contracting the muscle rather than just lifting the weight. That's something that I've kind of flipped massively. And a lot of my friends more recently have kind of swung around to the idea that maybe Chris, maybe, maybe Chris is right. Maybe we do need to start, you know, really focusing on contracting the muscle properly before we start throwing around some heavy weight. It will make a massive difference to your physique. So if that's your goal in terms of hypertrophy, just bear that in mind. But then if you're on about like losing body fat in particular to try and bring out your physique, like we said, it's about being in a calorie deficit over a sustained period of time. So you really need to be specific with your goals. It becomes a lot easier once you are. Um, and be very, try and quantify your goals if possible. It becomes a lot easier then to, um, you know, to, to, to reconstruct the route to get there. The next question, training from, from Carlos Gonzalez, K7. Training from home, please, and thank you so much. If you're looking for a home training guide, then there is one. Um, if you click the link in my bio and you go to eBooks and Training Guides, I have an awesome training from home guide. It's something that you can do in a hotel room, you can do it in a park, you can do it in your house, you can do it in your living room. Um, some really, really good exercises, to be fair. You can also go online, but the reason I like having one in it as a training guide is you can track your progress. And, you know, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you have invested in me some amount. So I assume if you thought that I didn't know what I was talking about, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. So maybe take my advice on some of these exercises um, and give that a go. Um, it's an exercise um, schedule that I use on the rare occasion that I don't have access to a gym. Normally, I'll try and stay in a hotel that does have one. It is very seldom that I don't, even if it's the case of just a few dumbbells. But if you really don't, I would check that out. If you click the link in my bio, or you can DM me and I'll send you the link um, directly, 
or send me an email at chrisbeermanfitness at gmail.com. So, uh, at jerry7997 says, the best foods for gaining muscle, question mark. So, first and foremost, to gain muscle, you need to do a few things. You need to be in a calorie surplus. If you are, most simply put, if you are not adding a pound of weight, a pound of body weight every week, you are not eating enough food. End of story. If you're not adding a pound, let me say that again. If you are not adding a pound of weight onto your frame every week, you need to eat more food. End of story. Period. Mic drop. Full stop. Done. Once you do that, then you need to ensure that your training in the gym is on point. If it isn't, you can eat as much food as you like and it was probably not going to benefit you anywhere near as much as it would as if you were really specific with your exercise selection, with your form, with the weight that you're lifting. You need to ensure that you're stimulating muscle correctly, frequently and effectively over a sustained period of time in a deficit to build muscle tissue. If you're hopping on this podcast and you want to listen to one podcast and think, I'm going to like sponge all of Chris's tips to get huge and I'll be huge next week. It takes years. I'm sorry, guys. I'm throwing it out there right now and I'm going to disappoint a lot of people. If your goal is to put on a serious amount of muscle, you will be listening to podcasts for years. The one thing that you need to have is patience. Honestly, if someone said, what is easier, lose weight or build muscle tissue, losing weight is 10 times easier. I don't care if you've got a slow metabolism and you think you can put on weight quickly. You can't. You can't. Here's a misconception. If you have an inverted commas slow metabolism, you will not put on more muscle tissue than someone who has a quick metabolism. It's a misconception. If you have a fast metabolism, you can actually metabolize, see what I did there, protein quicker than anyone else. The issue is because your metabolic rate is so high, you burn it straight away and you lose it straight away. So if you are one of those, inverted commas, fast gainers, you're not. Sorry, a hard gainer, you're not. You're just a fast loser. So what we mean by that is you can actually metabolize and break down and lay down muscle tissue faster than everyone else, but because you're in a deficit all of the time, you won't hold on to that muscle gain. So that's a massive misconception. So it takes years. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if, if it's not what you want to hear. Um, there was a really good podcast. Uh, Dr. Lane Norton and Ben Pokolsky had a podcast that launched this week and they said, people in fitness don't ask questions to hear the answers. They ask questions to try and validate what they're already doing. And that is a question that is, that is a statement that is so relevant to that question. So I am sorry, but it takes years. You will see guys who are training for 10 years, taking a lot of performance enhancing drugs, and they're still only just putting on weight. It takes time, so be patient. Oh, 
Uh, at Victoria Bose said, how do you make it through 36 hour fasting? Any tips? So a lot of people have asked me about this. So every Sunday I'm doing a 36 hour fast. Basically my last meal is Saturday evening. I fast all day Sunday and I have my next meal first thing Monday morning, usually at breakfast. At the minute, because my Wi-Fi is a bit scarce where I am, I'm staying in hotels every Sunday. So I get to Skype my clients um, all day Sunday and I have some business calls scheduled in uh, Monday morning. So I sweep on over Monday, uh, Sunday morning to um, the uh, Hilton nearby and I check myself in, Skype all my clients, um, super, super productive. Uh, I struggle a little bit towards the evening, but I get through it. And then I wake up the next morning, straight down for breakfast in the lobby, and I have a nice scrambled egg, bacon, and a bit of coffee. First, firstly, why do I break my fast with fats and protein? It is massively important that you do that because you don't want to break your fast and initiate a huge carbohydrate spike of insulin um, and then immediately uh, want to gorge all day. What I will do is be really strategic with my fats and my protein. I will always have a coffee first thing in the morning if I am allowed one or pre-workout. At the minute, I'm trying to have only one a day uh, if possible. Um, so I will break my fast with fats and protein and that is quite important. I would try and eliminate um, breaking your fast with carbohydrates. And if you do, probably don't make them high glycemic index carbs. Now, why do I fast? There's, a lo there's loads of reasons why I fast and there's a lot of literature out there. The reasons why I fast, first and foremost, was to challenge myself, okay? So um, that, that isn't the only reason. Um, it is extremely beneficial for your gut health. Like I said before, my gut health could be a lot better. So I'm working on my gut health. It's giving my, my digestive system 36 hour break, um, especially when I'm gonna be growing, although then it could be quite detrimental because I'm then trying to get all my calories in for the week and in six days instead of seven. So on that note, now that I'm cutting, it means that I've got 36 hours of zero calories, which means I can have a little bit more on Monday to Saturday, or I just keep it as normal and I'm in more of a deficit than I normally would be, which is awesome. So there are a few different reasons. Brain function wise, I find I function so much better and so sh 10 times sharper on either protein and fats or no food at all. Um, and my Sunday is my busiest day where I Skype all my clients um, who are in the, the Platinum Skype program. Um, and I like feeling sharp and awake for those, of course. Right, so how do I get through it? My fast isn't a complete fast. I will have some branch chain aminos um, and some water, some black coffee, and I maybe have some diet sodas, maybe. So I try and limit all calories. The only calories going in there, obviously, are from branch chain aminos. The only reason I have them is because I don't want to go and start losing muscle tissue during that period of time. I won't have a huge amount. It's definitely not to initiate a, um, an insulin spike. So that is my version of a fast. Um, here we go. So at Fitness by Vika says, what supplements to take for a girl that wants to get more muscle mass? I think I've met you before, by the way. Um, and the answer to your question is, eat more food because the chances are you could eat more food 
if it's the case that you literally cannot eat any more food, then you can start looking at adding some supplementation in there. But generally speaking, for the most part, people just need to man up and eat more food if you're trying to grow. Um, for females especially too, because sometimes you can be, a f you think that you can take a supplement and it's going to add muscle tissue to your frame. It won't really. You need to increase your calories to do that. And sometimes um, females can be a little bit more skeptical about increasing your calories. For example, and I'll talk to it um, talk a bit later because I know there's a question here about reverse dieting. That especially during that period post show, where you know you don't want to go through a rebound, but at the same time you've got maybe body dysmorphia because you've been really lean and you don't want to you know put on a bit of um, bit of in inverted commas fluff, or you're scared of. Um, eating a lot more food because your relationship with food has now possibly been challenged. Um, generally, eat more food. If your goal is to build tissue and if your goal is to build bigger glutes, bigger shoulders, bigger back, bigger legs, whatever it is, you just need to eat more food. Um, of course, there's no point eating more food unless you're training effectively and efficiently, like we said before. So um, you need to ensure that you encapsulate all of those things. Having someone to be accountable to during that period is really important. And I'm going to talk about that next. Um, so I was also asked about reverse dieting and I was asked about reverse dieting last week and I didn't get a chance to address it. Reverse dieting essentially is a strategy by which generally post-show or post-shoot, you as an individual increase your food in increments every week and hence the reverse um, and you diet what actually happens is generally speaking and the literature shows generally seven to eight weeks it takes for your metabolism to catch up any mathematicians out there anyone who's big into graphs i want you to imagine a normal graph for a second imagine that you have a linear line going straight from the origin um, at a 45 degree angle. Hypothetically, that is your increase in calories. The exact same, the reason it's a linear line is because it's the same increment every week, every week, every week. Let's just say it's at a 45 degree angle, okay? So every week we're increasing your food, let's just say by 50 calories or 100 calories, but it's the same every week. What your metabolism is, is your metabolism is reversed bell shape curve which essentially means that it's like a ski slope. Um, uh, it's a ski slope going upwards, like in an upward kind of curve. So what you will notice is it's basically along the y-axis and it keeps going, keeps going, and it slowly starts to increase, 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 increase. And after about seven to eight weeks, it dips above and breaks that parallel line that is your increments of calories. At that point, the, the curve being your metabolism is now in a positive state above your food. Whereas beforehand it wasn't, you were putting on a little bit of fluff, you were probably putting on a little bit of weight. All of a sudden, after about seven to eight weeks, that breaks the axis of the graph um, against the linear line and you are now in a positive state of metabolism versus food. At this point, your metabolism has sped up more than the food that you're applying. And each week that progresses, 
you will get progressively leaner the more food you add. I shit you not, this is real life. I'm not bullshitting. This happens and this is probably a massive secret that I've let out of the bag. That being said, it needs to be done strategically. It needs to be done under proper supervision and it needs to be done with the right macronutrients. I'm not going to give too much away. With the right macronutrients at the right time with accountability. This is exactly what I do with my clients at this point in time. What is the one thing that screws all of this up? Anyone know? Mainly with female clients is for the first six weeks, their heads fall off. They're literally falls off, rolls down the street because they can't deal with adding a little bit of weight, adding a little bit of fluff, adding a little bit of water until their metabolism catches up. Then what happens is they start eating an incredible low amount of food. They're trying to keep up with their cardio, but they're sick of prep. They don't want to do it anymore. They don't have a goal. All of a sudden they start binge eating and then they're back at it, trying to smash it even harder. Then they binge and then they're back again and they binge. Instead, if you are out there and you are planning a cut, stop right now. If you're going to do a photo shoot, stop right now. If you're out there and you're thinking of cutting, stop right now and listen to what I'm about to say. You need, and I seriously mean this, especially if you've cut for the first time, you need guidance after you've done your shoot or your show. That guidance is what will change. I will, it, that will create the foundation for the next five years of your life. I promise you, I shit you not. Because every single week, dozens of people every single week message me and go, Chris, I did my first shoot, I did my first show, now I'm screwed. My metabolism is all over the place, please can you help? And yes I can, but it takes a lot more time, a lot more stress, and obviously financially it's it's a lot more of a burden on you, um, and it, it prevents you from doing the things that you want to do in life. What you need to do is have an exit strategy or a reverse diet in place. If you're going to a coach for a 12 week prep, you're not. You should be going for, to a coach for at least an 18 week prep with about six weeks after your shoot or your show to get you back where you need to be so you don't put on the weight that you don't need, your head doesn't fall off and you're in a really shitty place. What that does, especially for females but also for guys, is it builds up a really poor relationship with food you add a lot of body fat on, you add, you start binging, you may go down the route of, you know, I don't want to get overly drastic, but I'm, I'm, I'm getting emotional about this because it is something that happens all of the time. I see girls, they do a shoot, they do a show, and all of a sudden they throw loads of weight back on, they fall out of love with the gym, they fall out of love with fitness, but the truth is they're falling out of love with themselves because they haven't for the sake of being coached for an extra six weeks, it could take a year or two to get back to where you were if you correct your hormones and you correct that eating. It's an eating disorder. You correct that um, and you, you cut that off at source. 
for the sake of six to eight weeks, please, if you're listening to this, please take into consideration that this is something that needs to be of serious, serious importance. If not, in two years' time, when you send me a DM, please say, you were right, mate. <laughs> you were right. So I'm serious about this, and any good coach will tell you that. Of course, if someone says, Chris, I really want to compete in 12 weeks, I really want to compete for a shoot, I will always say, guys, you do realize that you're going to need to look after yourself or you're going to need to go through a reverse diet here, and it's up to them what they do. It is no surprise that I, these people come back with a tail between their legs in a year's time and go, so I've kind of put on about 10 kilos um, and my hormones are screwed uh, and I need some help. Please, 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 if you're listening to this, take that into consideration. So reverse dieting is massively, massively important. Someone I mentioned already, uh, Dr. Lane Norton is extremely, extremely knowledgeable on the subject. Um, about reverse dieting and it's something that is really really important clearly and I'm not trying to scaremonger anyone it really really is um, and the reason I'm kind of getting wound up about it is because I, I hear all of the time so uh, we've got no, no carbs in the morning or carbs like oats in the morning so I've kind of spoke about this before um, and for me personally, I will try and limit my carbohydrate intake first thing in the morning. I feel like I function a lot better on lower carbs, minimal carbs in the morning. I feel like I, like I said already, I am sharper on fats and proteins. Um, at the minute, I am training around 11. I will try and get up. I'll have a green tea or a coffee. Uh, at the minute, it's a green tea. And then I will maybe have my coffee pre-workout. But in between that time, I will have my first meal. And I'm trying to have one meal before I train that is generally a protein and fat meal. After that, I'll have my coffee, my pre-workout. I will train. Normally have some intra-workout carbohydrates, which are massively important for the vast majority of you, um, which I will touch on after this question. Then I will have my post-workout supplementation. Then I will have my post-workout carbs. Then I will be protein and fat for the day. And if I decide to train later on, it is the same again. So if you like oats in the morning, have oats in the morning. It depends what your goals are. If my goal was to add some serious mass right now, I would probably be having some oats with my breakfast in the morning because I would probably need to to get my calories up. If you like oats in the morning, smash them, nail them, eat them all. It depends on your goals. If you're already in a deficit and your goal is to lose fat, lose body weight, then you can eat oats whenever you want. You can eat oats, you know, upside down, doing backflips before bed. It doesn't make a difference. As long as you're in a calorie deficit and as long as they're in alignment with your goals, that is perfectly fine. Is it optimal? I don't, I personally don't think so. I personally think that um, oats, to, if I'm honest with you, I like oats, they're easy, they're affordable, um, and I have them, I would probably opt for different types of carbohydrates that are probably uh, less of a burden on your digestive system and have less inflammation to your gut, something like cream of rice, rice cakes, rice by itself, um, but oats seems to be a pretty staple thing. So I hope that answers your question. And um, on the topic of intra-workout carbohydrates, so this is something that I'm always asked about. So when I say, 
are you going to put some carb powder into your, or someone goes, what's in your drink? And I say carbs. They're like, what? Oh my God, what are you doing? But they'll have a Lucasade or a Gatorade or a Powerade. This is exactly the same principle. These sports drinks essentially are a little bit of glucose, so simple sugars with some electrolytes um, and some vitamins and minerals to try and perform at a higher level, to increase performance. My goals are not just physical goals, but even if they were, to get my physical goals, I need to perform in the gym. And to do so, carbohydrates can be massively, massively important. Not only are carbohydrates massively important for performance in the gym, but as soon as I'm in the gym, I've got glucose in my bloodstream, I've got an insulin spike, and I'm receptive to any of the amino acids, the essential aminos, the creatine, or the glucose that's in there to start the recovery process straight away. It also means that I can probably get a little bit longer out of my session, which is really, really important. One thing that I can't also stress enough on that point, electrolytes, a good idea to put into your intro workout. Not many people do this, even at a high level. Electrolytes can be very, very important, but also staying hydrated. If you go to the gym dehydrated, you're, 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 I say goosed, you're screwed. Um, you need to ensure that you are hydrated. And when you're in the gym, you need to be drinking enough. Any of the branch chain aminos, the amino acids, the essential aminos, the creatine, the, the, the carbohydrates, all of the stuff that's in your inter-workout shake, how on earth is that going to get into your system? How on earth is that going to get into your, um, your muscle cell if you are not hydrated enough? Simple, simple biochemistry. How do these molecules get into your bloodstream, first and foremost? And then how do they get from your bloodstream into the muscle cell? They need a transporter, and obviously that transporter is water. If you're dehydrated, you're minimizing your body's ability to utilize these molecules, but also to remove any toxic waste or um, excretion material that you need to, to, to pull out of your muscles also. Um, especially if you know if you want to talk about lactic acid buildup and things like that. So stay hydrated, people. Stay hydrated. Massively important. Back to um, intra-workout carbohydrates. There, most of you guys will know. Some people will have ground oats intra-workout, which is cool. <laughs> it's fine. Um, some people have like waxy maize. Generally, the staples are the three of the three of the above. Dextrose maltodextrin, or if you're advanced, cyclic dextrin. So what's the difference between all three? They're simple sugar molecules, basically. Um, dextrose is the cheapest, maltodextrin is a little bit more complex, and then cyclic dextrin is like the ultimate. So cyclic dextrin was um, initially formulated for um, pharmaceuticals, in which um, some form of carbohydrate is needed as a transporter with any you know pharmaceutical drug to take that drug into the bloodstream and take that um, drug to be used in the body. The difference between cyclic, hence this the the, the circle, the cyclic part of of the molecule, is it is simple sugars in a circle in a ring, and what happens is they get cleaved one by one by one by one. Yes, they're still simple sugar molecules 
but they're bound in a circle. And what happens is it's more, think of it, the analogy of a time release mechanism. So if I'm in my workout and I'm just like, you know, drinking my dextrose, which is the simplest form, I will get an insulin spike straight away and then it'll drop off. If I have something like cyclic dextrin, it will slowly cleave these um, uh, glucose molecules, the sugar molecules, and I will have a, a more sustained release of energy, a more sustained release of glucose, and probably a more stable insulin um, curve within my body. That is what I take. The price difference for all of these is quite cheap, to be honest. Dextrose, maltodextrin, cyclic dextrin, they're all much of a muchness they are massively, massively important for performance. So just things to take into consideration, guys. Um, these Q&As, obviously, I'm gonna do more of these as often as I can. I will be having a guest on soon. If there are any questions that I have not answered, send me a DM. Um, you know, send me an email at chrisspearmanfitness at gmail.com. Um, if you have any ideas on things that you wanna see um, on my YouTube or listen on my podcast in the foreseeable future, let me know. If you're not subscribed or haven't subscribed or not watching my videos on YouTube, I'm back on YouTube, Chris Spearman Fitness, you will find me. Hit me um, a thumbs up, a comment, anything that you want to see. For now, it's quite warm outside, so I'm probably going to go for a cheeky little walk. I currently have 10,000 steps for the day. And I have a good few of about 15,000 to go. So I'm going to get my ass in gear. Hope you guys have a massively productive Thursday. Um, as always, next Monday, we'll be back on the podcast. I hope you're enjoying. If you are, please let me know. Please share in your story. If you share, I will message you back. I will share your share. And I very much appreciate it. As always, Today is the last opportunity for you to make tomorrow better, more productive, and more efficient day. Do stuff today that is gonna add value to tomorrow and make the most of the day because you're not gonna get this day again. Peace.